This is Clan Wellness, the podcast, and I'm your host, Virginie Ferguson. I help driven employees, professionals, and entrepreneurs dramatically reduce stress and anxiety so that they can unlock emotional and mental resilience to be their best selves at home and supercharge their career and business. This podcast has evolved over time, and I now aim at sharing thoughts and little snippets of wisdom. I hope you enjoy. Hi, so today I've got Kirsty from Skyrose Coaching joining me on the podcast. So Kirsty, before we just dive in into the subjects of emotions and alcohol and how we use alcohol to maybe numb emotions or hide or not face our emotions, could you just quickly introduce yourself and your business? Yes, certainly. Thank you so much for having me on today. Yep, I am Kirsty and I run a coaching business, Skyrose Coaching. I'm a qualified transformational life coach and I also run a large online community called Sober Buzz. Um, it used to be Sober Buzz Scotland, but it's Sober Buzz Worldwide now. And um, I am sober. I have been sober for almost five years and a large part of my coaching practice is helping support men and women, mostly women, to live a life without alcohol or to reduce their alcohol consumption. Um, and yeah, that's that's me and that's what I do in a nutshell. Fabulous. And obviously with me um, helping people with their stress and anxiety, we've got a little bit of crossover and both in what we do. So I thought it was a really good idea <laughs> to get you on to the podcast to to talk about this so yeah. i'll just leave the floor to you thank you thank you <laughs> where do we start <laughs> so um i have pulled together some information because there's a lot for us to think about and to cover when we think about using alcohol um to either mask our emotions or feelings or to deal with stressful situations there's a really famous saying in the sober community and there's a huge sober community online and it is when you get sober or when you reduce your alcohol consumption, you have to feel all the feelings. Now that can be wonderful because that can mean that you really experience life's highs and all the joy that life brings. But it also means that you have to experience the lows and the more difficult times without reaching for alcohol. So if we rely on alcohol for happiness and for pleasure, or even for numbing stress, then that can actually cause significant problems down the road because we're not learning how to deal with things as they are right now and we end up having quite unhealthy coping mechanisms. And many people increased their intake, particularly during lockdown, which was a really, really stressful time for many of us. And people found themselves dependent on how on to feel less stressed Um but the things that are causing you the stresses are still there the next again day. But only this time, increased alcohol intake can take to start to ruminating on your negative thoughts, the sort of dread thoughts that can heighten our emotional state. And we often call them the fear, the next again day um, feelings that we have when we've been drinking or anxiety. 
And there's physical impacts that happen too if we start to drink too much or drink drink more often. And that can be poor sleep, for example. And yeah, we might fall asleep faster if we've been drinking, but our sleep's disturbed and we're not getting that restorative stage of sleep, the REM stage. And when we don't get that REM stage, what happens is we can wake up even more stressed the following day. And there's a huge, huge um, impact on our stress hormones if we are um, consuming too much alcohol or consuming alcohol too regularly. And alcohol consumption can cause an increase in the stress hormone cortisol. Um, And that's our fight or flight hormone. um, And it's like adrenaline. So what happens if we're drinking too much? We end up staying on high alert. Um, And in addition, this cortisol also releases glucose from our liver. And that's also produced in times of stress. So we can end up feeling more stress with the more that we drink. And this can carry on the day after or even a couple of days. You know, you might hear people say, oh, my hangover, I felt so unwell for two or three days. And that word, a hangover, it covers so much, you know, it covers the anxiety, the stress, the poor eating, um, the the grumpy moods, the feeling short in, in, in in, in our temper. And this is all caused by this excess drinking or this Um, drinking more often and then it changes the levels of serotonin and other neurotransmitters in our brain and this can worsen feelings of anxiety in fact you may feel more anxious after the alcohol wears off like I said and it can last for a couple of days and people often say to me how can I feel so bad when I only go out for a couple of drinks you know I only meant to have a couple of drinks I was feeling stressed I wanted to have a couple But what happens is alcohol acts as a a sedative to the central nervous system. So what that means is after the first one, we're thinking, oh, this feels good. This feels really good. So we have another one. This feels really, really good. Then we have a third and a fourth trying to chase that initial feeling of the first. But by then, um, we're starting to become intoxicated and we're starting to become drunk. Um, And those little releases of dopamine, um, which brings up that euphoria, we're chasing that feeling. And before we know it, we've drunk too much. So it's a real vicious cycle that can happen. So one drink might be okay, but unfortunately, our brain is telling us, oh, let's have some more. That felt good. That felt good. And the more we have, the worse we feel. I was going to ask you about the dopamine, actually, because... um yeah, obviously we can, this is how we can become addicted yes, to, to yes. so many substances like nicotine, like, um, I'll say cocaine yeah. <laughs> because we're just like, you get such a high and then we kind of like, I think with cocaine, you get like four times or was it eight times? I can't even remember your, your baseline, or I think it's amphetamine that gives you that eight times your, your baseline of dopamine. So huge, huge peaks and nicotine, chocolate, all these things, yeah. sex as well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and um, obviously alcohol. So this obviously getting those peak of dopamines, but obviously the problem we have with those peaks of dopamine is they go really high very quickly, but they also crash, crash quicker, yeah. very quickly. And they take us slower to our, usual baseline and this is where we feel worse for wear afterwards and then we get that chasing feeling like you say you know the dopamine is that motivation is that seeking hormone well neurotransmitter that gets us to seek more of of what gave us that that dopamine hit that's that that's it and when we release that dopamine from the nucleus accumbens region of our brain um, and it produces that euphoria and the neurotransmitters 
reinforce the behaviour of drinkers. We think, oh, this is a good idea. This is a good idea. And it's that reward and pleasure part of the brain. Um, and it is, mm. you were right, that's the part that causes addiction. Um, and, and as you say, with cocaine, with sex, with using our mobile phones, it is there. But unfortunately, yeah. what happens mm. with alcohol, because ethanol, I mean, alcohol broken down is ethanol and it's an addictive substance. Mm-hmm. Um, what happens is we just want more and more. And unfortunately, we can become um, immune to how much we're drinking. So at first, it might only be a couple of drinks that we, that we get that feeling, but we keep going and we keep going. So in the beginning of lockdown, people were thinking, oh, this is okay, I'm only having a couple of drinks. But three or four months in, they were drinking so much more, continually chasing mm. that dopamine hit that we're looking for, as as you rightly said, um, that the alcohol produces. Yeah. And then you mentioned sleep as well. And then as you were talking through that, it just reminded me that, you know, I've got one of those um, hybrid smartwatch um, yep. that I wear at night as well, because I always like to keep an eye on my sleep and how I'm doing and that sort of stuff. And I mean, we sp- spoken about this when um, when we had our little chat before mm-hmm. <laughs> the planning, well, when planning this, this podcast. But as I was telling you, you know, I'm not a big drinker. It's not in my culture coming from France. It's not something that we had to do or I never felt the pressure to to do, to to drink, to be in the in crowd or anything like that. So it's not something that I naturally do. And also I I think my my body cannot handle <laughs> cannot handle drinking. I'll I'll have to pretty much stop at a couple of drinks. Otherwise I, I feel sick. I, I will I will actually throw up before I feel drunk. So it's not fun for me anyway. Uh, but if I do go out and I'll go out for a meal or something and I may have a couple of glasses of wine or a couple of cocktails, then the next morning my watch will buzz and send me a message saying, did you drink last night? <laughs> you didn't sleep well. Your heart rate was elevated. Yeah. And um, so you can see straight away how much is affecting your your sleep, first of all. I mean, my watch is telling me my heart rate is high. So again, like you were saying, is that fight flight, the accelerator branch of our nervous system is, is triggered and we are on that high alert. So the, the, the heart rate is is raised and yeah, it's, it's basically triggering your, your stress response with that release of cortisol that you talked about and, yeah. and higher sugar, yeah, blood and sugar yeah, you're, from the release of... Of yeah, glycogen back into glucose. Yeah, that's right. And it's your liver is, you know, the release of glucose from your liver for that fast energy. And it tends to happen, mm. that drop tends to happen at that three or four o'clock in the morning. And that's why quite often people wake up at that time, you know, either, yeah. you know, they, they, yep. their, their, their body's releasing this. And then when they wake up, they start to have that anxiety that oh, what's wrong, something's wrong. And if they have been inebriated mm-hmm. the night before, if they've been drunk, oh, I can't quite remember getting home or I don't quite remember how I got to bed. The anxiety is already there and then we are yeah. tying ourselves in knots and we either mm. don't get back to sleep or we have very, very, um, very, very fitful sleep, you know, on and off, um, tossing and turning yeah. until we have to get up. And as you say, um, and then we're really tired the next again day. And I think one of the most important things for me, I'm 45 now. Um, I stopped drinking almost five years <laughs> ago. My sleep is the most important thing in the world to me. Like, mm. it's so, so important <laughs> that I yeah. sleep well. Um, 
my daughter, I'm a mum, but my daughter's 19 now. Um, that brings other worries. But, you know, I usually get a full night's sleep. You know, she's not waking me up in, during the mm-hmm. night. Um, but so many people come to me and they say, I just can't go on with this not sleeping properly because sleep is so, so important to us, you know. Yeah. And alcohol can disturb it in so many ways. Either like mm. yourself, you are sleeping, but it's not a good sleep or you're waking no. in the middle of the night. And then what do we do when we wake in the middle of the night? We worry about everything, don't we? We start worrying about things that everything just comes to mind, you know, in the small hours of the night. So you're spending Mm. all night and then that fight or flight is becoming more and more and more and more on edge and more on edge. And unfortunately, what happens to some people is the next day they're feeling really um, unwell. They're feeling stressed out. The stress gets worse and worse and worse. So what do they do? They reach for another glass of wine. And yet that mm. initial feeling is, oh my goodness, that's great. Or, or beer or gin, whatever they're drinking. But they're back in the loop again of having a second yep. or having a third. And that's quite often when people will say, I am never drinking again, is the biggest lie that we tell ourselves because <laughs> our brain knows about that dopamine hit, that relaxation for mm-hmm. a, you know half an hour. And we chase that and we're almost forgetting that awful state that we've been in before. So yeah, it is a real vicious cycle. But going back mm-hmm. to the sleep thing, um, yeah, sleep is so, so, so important. And I think as we get older, we start to realise just how important that is. Yeah, no, absolutely. And sleep is just, is what um, renews us, it replenishes us. We are just rebuilding that capacity, that inner battery, that inner energy that we have mm. available to us. That enables us to deal with challenges, whether they are mm. physical, they are they are mental, emotional, or or even spiritual. Mm. And if we don't have that battery topped up, then how we're going to deal with stuff that are going to come our way, you know, in in the work life, in our everyday life, you know, can we we cannot cope with it physically, we cannot cope with it mentally or emotionally. So it's so so important to protect that capacity that in our battery in your sleep. Yeah. And before we started recording today, we very briefly touched on the fact that I've been, you know, I'm I'm going through the perimenopause and my sleep has been mm. affected with that earlier this year. I'm now on HRT. That's a I know that's another another podcast possibly, but when my <laughs> sleep was affected with the perimenopause, it was one of the things that went, mm. it was very difficult for me to function normally, you know, to mm. do my wellness routine, to do my spiritual routine, yeah. to, to be there for my business, to be there for my daughter. So mm. as we get to a certain age in our lives, women, it's even more important that we're looking after that sleep because there's other things going on within our bodies, our, our, our menopause or our perimenopause that will mm. be affected by mm. our sleep. And the drink can really, really cause issues with that as well. Yeah. And that kind of ties back a little also to a podcast episode that I released, I think, a few weeks ago, maybe not the last one, but the one before that, on how it is important to manage your stress and your overwhelm when you're going through perimenopause mm. and menopause. Because again, it ties back to, like you say, when we drink, we get that release of cortisol. And cortisol is made up um from a precursor hormone called pregnenolone. And pregnenolone is also the precursor hormone to DHEA, which is used also to mm-hmm. make estrogen. So mm-hmm. if we think about having that stock of pregnenolone, if we're using it up to make cortisol, there's never going to be enough there for DHEA and then estrogen and mm-hmm. all these other molecules that we need that are kind of renewing. So yeah, even more so, like you see in perimenopause and menopause, as we dip in estrogen, as we dip 
and DHEA. We need to do whatever we can to try to protect that and, and keep those levels up as much as we can. And that means controlling that stress response, the cortisol, and so controlling what you're drinking. Yeah. It's fascinating, isn't it? And it's not something that's yeah. spoken about a great deal. I've I, I done a video today where I spoke about how perimenopause and menopause is just as important as when we went through puberty. This is a massively important time Absolutely. of our lives. Yeah. And yet yeah. <laughs> um, we are being encouraged to reach for a glass of wine, reach for this, and actually it's not good. Yeah. So I know we're going to come on to this, but I think the one thing that's so important for me to say is I don't drink. I don't drink for almost five years for many reasons. And I was an alcoholic and that's why I don't drink. I am not here today to tell people that they can never drink again. It's more about <laughs> when should you drink? And when shouldn't you drink? Yes. And you shouldn't mm -hmm. drink if you are feeling stressed, if you're feeling angry, if you have any negative feelings that you're having, you should be really trying to work through them before you drink. Yeah. Have a glass of wine if yeah. you've had a good day, you know, if you're enjoying your meal with your, you know, with your friends or your partner or yourself, mm -hmm. but really take note of when you want to reach for a drink. If it's because you're angry, sad, stressed, pissed off, whatever, that is not the right time to be drinking because we drink quicker. We almost have that don't give an F attitude, you know, oh, stuff this, I'm just mm -hmm. going to get. So it's about being mindful. And I'll, I much prefer to say mindful drinking than moderating. There's a lot mm. of work in mindful drinking. There's a lot of work yes. in moderating. Yeah. But think mindfully, mm -hmm. why am I drinking? And if it's because... I've had a really stressful day at work or my partner's been really annoying. My kids are driving me up the wall. It might not be the right time to pour a glass of your favourite drink. There are mm. other things that you can yeah. do. Calm yourself down. Look at what's bothering you. And we're going to come on to them, I'm, I'm sure. And then maybe mm. have a drink. So I'm not here to tell people that they should never drink again. That's my life path. That's the path that I've chosen. I don't want to <laughs> drink again. But let's think about mindfully drinking. When should you? When should you and when shouldn't you drink? Mm, absolutely and it's like when I work with my clients and we talk about emotions and we talk about emotional choice I always say to them you know those so-called negative emotions they're not bad they're not negative as such because mm. every emotion has got a role to play mm. every emotion is there to bring us back into balance emotions are just it's energy in motion but it's felt in the body we feel them in the body and we feel them in the body for a reason is because we're they're part of our defense mechanism you know anger for example is usually about protecting your boundaries frustration or sadness is about grounding about going back to what's really important to us to to our soul almost to our bare minimum who are we so every emotions i've got has got a message for you we just need to acknowledge what the emotions are try to understand or listen to that message and then do something about it so we don't spend too long in those emotions because they are depleting they are depleting us they're not renewing us they're not supporting us but they are there they serve us in some way so we've got to understand what that is we've got to acknowledge we've got to face them we've got to understand take it take the message on board and then move move away from them and, and transform that energy into something else and not just numb it or just forget about it just absolutely take a, put a, and a glass of wine down you and forget <laughs> and 
I absolutely agree with, with what you're saying there. And we can then use those tools to help us move forward for when other these other uncomfortable emotions come up. Because life happens, mm-hmm. as we know, you know, there's life is, has life brings us joy and life brings us sadness. But if we can start to work through these emotions, the more difficult ones, we then have the tools for when something similar comes up again. And people, my clients mm-hmm. will say that to me. They'll say, my goodness, working through that thing that I did four weeks ago with you actually allowed me to work through something else that came up that felt more difficult. I didn't reach for a glass of wine. I remember mm-hmm. the tools that you gave me. Mm-hmm. And actually it was far easier because... I had done something similar before, whereas when we're masking these emotions that we're calling difficult or yeah. uncomfortable, um, we, we don't ha- we don't give ourselves because we are capable as well. Like it's so important to say we 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 do have the tools. You know they are there, um, mm-hmm. and people are capable of working through them. But unfortunately, and you touched on this at the beginning again, you and I are from very different cultures. I'm Scottish, as you can hear. I was born and bred <laughs> here, but I lived in Europe for quite a few years when I was younger. And our relationship to alcohol in Scotland is um, is crazy. If you're stressed, have a drink. If you're if you're happy, have a drink. If you're angry, you know, it, it's always reach for a drink, reach for a drink, reach for a drink. So we've not been taught these tools. So I think it's really important that people know if they're sitting thinking, oh gosh, that's me. I always reach for a drink. You've not been taught any other way. We've been brought up in a society mm-hmm. that says, have a drink, go to the go to the pub, pour a glass of wine. But we can learn these yeah. tools. We can learn them and we can mm-hmm. pass them on to our friends, our children. So all is not lost. You know, it, the, the it, we, we can learn new tools and we can move forward and, and deal with life's difficulties without drinking. Absolutely. It's just, it's just rewiring the subconscious really is mm. who have been conditioned and through past experiences, you have created those patterns because the brain does that. It creates habits, it creates patterns so we can conserve energy and not try to think every single time, oh, what was I supposed to do there? <laughs> Which neuron am I supposed to connect? <laughs> so it creates patterns. So it just, again, as I said, it conserves energy. So, but that's the beauty about it. It's like, they're not set in stone. The brain is so plastic. It's that neuroplasticity concept that we can change. We can change those patterns. We just need to to try them and just keep repeating them so we can reinforce them every time, just like we go to the gym and we just train our bodies for our muscles to become stronger. We just need to train our brain for those neural pathways to become stronger and let go of the old ones. Absolutely. (laughs) So let's talk about, like you said, stress and whatever like well going back to habits as well you know that this big thing on the culture is it's friday night yes i can't wait to have a gin i can't wait to have a glass of wine yeah i've had such a stressful week oh the kids drove me crazy mummy needs a glass of wine um what is that all about (laughs) oh my goodness i have so many posts about the mummy wine culture it's so dangerous and so damaging (laughs) you go into certain card shops and every single card for mum you know, or for women, has a glass on it. You know, mummy deserves a wine. No, mummy deserves a bit of peace mm. and quiet so she can clear her thoughts and work out what's going on. And yes. like, so yeah, habit building. So if we can build habits, we can break habits. Um, part of the, the, the work that I do is I'm a mindset coach. I help people change their mindsets and help people reframe mm. what they need. So if a client says to me, mm. oh, I sometimes think I need a glass of wine, I'll say to them, what do you really need in that moment? 
and they say, well, actually, I, I need some space. I need some time to think. I need to actually a bit mm. fresh air. I need to actually try and stay, take stock of what's went on that week, of what's stressed me out that week. Um, so mm-hmm. it's about, these are trigger points. So I'm a bit funny yes. the word trigger, but so five o'clock on a Friday night <laughs> or when the kids are in the bath or when um, the dinner's cooking, you think that's yeah. my trigger to have that's a glass secure. of wine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is, and it is, is and it really is it's almost subconscious like you said you know it's like because you've been doing it for so long that's when I pour a glass of wine so we have Mm. to think what can we put in place instead what how can you rewire that thought how can you change that thought so it might be when it comes to this is the normal time that to have a glass of wine or a gin or whatever is that you sit down with your journal and you write down how am I feeling today and if it is mm, uh, an, uncomfortable, an uncomfortable feeling, so if it's um, I'm, I'm feeling anxious or I'm feeling stressed or I'm feeling annoyed, well, why is that? Can you write about that? Even two or three sentences and get down on paper mm. and start to learn about yourself. Start to start to do self-inquiry. I'm a huge advocate of journaling. I journal every single day. Mm. People say, oh, I don't know how to journal. And I understand that, but it's as simple as writing down, how do I feel today? What went well today? What annoyed me today? Mm-hmm. What upset me today? What's worrying me about tomorrow? And once we get them down on paper, they're valid. Your thoughts are valid. How you are feeling is valid. Nobody can tell you, no, you don't feel that way. No, you do. Absolutely. And then how can you make a plan to work through that? So say, for example, somebody sits down and they they pour themselves um, a nice glass of sparkling water or whatever it is, something other than their 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 usual alcoholic tipple, and they write down how am I feel? Actually, I'm stressed about tomorrow. So what is it about tomorrow that's stressing me? Oh, it's something that I've not done before. So why is that worrying me? Oh, I'm worried that I might not get it right. Or I'm, and start to really unpick what is causing you to have these feelings. Mm. And then once you get an understanding to why you're feeling anxious or nervous or stressed, you can then go about tackling that on a tackling that in a way that you you yeah. next game morning that you're able to do it so it might even just be as much as writing it down I tell my clients to do every single night if they're feeling stressed or if they're they're, they're dealing with a lot to do a brain dump write down everything that's stressing you out on a bit of paper score out mm-hmm. everything that you cannot control so what's going on in the world you know and um, maybe yeah. somebody at your work's be- behavior whatever and then look at what you can control mm-hmm. and make really yeah. small plans to to get on top of that yeah. stuff and they'll say to me I control the controllables control the controllables <laughs> I've such a simple exercise it took me less than five minutes and I actually feel less stressed than before I actually mm-hmm. feel more able I feel more capable so many of us are struggling with overwhelm so many mums business owners women yeah. we are struggling with because we have so much on but once we start to get down on our journal mm. we can think okay that does not need my attention at the moment that doesn't need my attention at the moment and control the controllables as as you rightly said there if after then you're still mm-hmm. feeling like that you're feeling a bit stressed or you're feeling that you're still feeling anxious or that you're not in a great headspace to be having a drink what can you do next breathe pause stop do some breath work. Um, there's some great breath work pr- practitioners out there. Maybe you want to think about meditating. Maybe you want to move your body, put some music on. Um, somatic movement's wonderful. And that means nothing more than just dancing yeah. around your kitchen. Shake out that stress. Get rid of that um, 
get, get rid of that and um, feeling that tightness in mm. your body. Maybe you're going to do an online yeah. yoga class. Maybe you're going to have an early night. Maybe you're going to have a hot bath. What can you do that is more helpful to you than having a glass of wine, which you know will then in turn mean you might have two or three or four. So it's about yeah, it's about having make a list make a list of all the different things that you can do instead of having a glass of wine on friday night if you're if you're saying to yourself i wish i wasn't having that glass of wine on a friday night make a list of all the different things you can do that that will be beneficial to you as i say going for a walk Mm. having a bath having an early night reading your favorite book whatever just put something else in place to break that habit that you have whether it's a Mm -hmm. friday night or every night yeah and like and it's just like everything else, um, it's like I always tell my client as well, it's like the first step is awareness because you cannot change something you're not aware of, that you, you don't understand, you know. So the first step is just to be aware of how you're feeling, why you're doing it, to understand, you know, that again, what's the message behind it, what, what's behind that emotion. And once you're there, this is when you can start making changes about it. But if you keep numbing it, like you said earlier, you're just, you're having a glass of wine, two glasses or whatever, but then the problem, the emotion is still going to come back. It's still there and you still not faced it. You're still not aware of it. You're still not understanding it. So therefore you can't change it. Mm. And so I think that's really the first step. And, and the awareness piece. So when people contact me and say, because it's a massive step to contact somebody and say, listen, I think I've got a bit of a, an issue. Absolutely, I know, drinking. especially in our field, you know, it's like almost admitting that you're weak or there's something wrong and with I you. Always which, say, by the way, there's nothing wrong there's with nothing you. There's nothing wrong, no. <laughs> and I always say to anybody who reaches out to me, my goodness, what an incredibly brave step mm-hmm. and what self-awareness you have because if you know I, I wish I could do something about my drinking I wish I could I wish I could moderate or mindfully drink I wish I could take a period of time away from it to reach out to somebody that you only know from online I always think my god you're a badass well done you because that takes courage and strength <laughs> you know yeah, and, and because you're already recognizing that there is an issue that you want to work through you're absolutely right that's the mm. first step it's noticing it and thinking okay I'm going to make some changes so people would go to a coach a fitness coach to get leaner, to get stronger, to, um, mm. to to work you know to work on other areas of their physical health. People go to mindset coaches to work. There's no difference than coming to speak to somebody who deals with, with people um, who want to change their relationship with alcohol. You know, it's nothing to be ashamed of. Yeah, there's no shame there. No. We have just been conditioned into thinking that it's normal to drink this way. It's normal to keep drinking. Um, um, as we did in our 20s or yeah. our 30s. But look, our life's changed massively <laughs> and we're still drinking in the same way. So mm-hmm. yeah, no shame whatsoever. And actually, if you're aware there needs to be a change, that's one of the biggest steps ever. Yeah, no, absolutely. And um, <laughs> what you said there just reminded me as well, like there's almost, well, here, it's almost like there's something wrong with you actually if you don't want to drink or if you're not drinking Mm, mm. yeah (laughs) and i still hear that now and um i I was 41 when i stopped drinking and i love to party i still go out a lot really into dancing i love music and people were saying to me Mm. at 41 oh my god are you pregnant and my god no like you know (laughs) you have to have this reason to not to not drink or people will say oh my god what happened 
what happened to you? Why did you do it? Yeah, why, what, what went on? And I had <laughs> many rock do? bottoms. And um, but when I stopped drinking, it wasn't a rock bottom. It was a it was a difficult time. But you you know, there doesn't have to be I've got loads of posts on my page. You don't have to be an alcoholic to address your 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 drinking either. If it has mm. any negative impact on you. So that negative impact might be that your sleep's um, disrupted. It might be that you've missed a day's work. It might be that you spend too much money when you're drinking. It might be that you have behaviours that you wouldn't normally have when you're not drinking. So you don't have to be the old, I'm doing quotation marks, the old school alcoholic, you know, somebody who is drinking in the in the morning before going <laughs> to work. If you think this doesn't serve me any longer, this is not how I want to be, that is okay. There's no shame at all. There's no shame in being an alcoholic either. I was one. I didn't drink first thing in the morning, but I drank every single day for years. But there's no shame in any of this. You know, you can change, you can get help. Um, but there's still such a stigma about it. You know, oh, what will yes. I tell my friends? What will I tell my family? And so many women and men come to me thinking they are the only ones with the issues that they have. And I hear it from every single client. Mm. You know, the alcohol is mm-hmm. not doing us many favours at all. No. And then, um, you know, that just reminded me because sometimes, you know, like I, like I said, I don't drink much. I don't, yeah. but I do enjoy a drink. Yeah. Um, but when I drink is generally is celebratory, celebrating something or going out, there's always kind of a, a joyful event or I've got people around and I, I love making mojitos. I love a mojito is fresh. It's, I love the taste of it. So I'll just, I'll just make some cocktails, but it's never, it's never a huge amount. So sometimes I'm thinking, why am I bothering doing it at all? Actually, could I just, I could just give it up altogether, but almost what's stopping me is having to answer people. If yeah. I say, actually, I don't drink anymore. I'll be like, but why, why? Mm. <laughs> you know? yeah. And I'm like, mm, I don't, because I don't really have a, a, a major reason to say I'm going to stop drinking because my drinking is very limited and it's not an issue for me. So I think I'll just stay that way. Probably it's fine. But sometimes I'm wondering, yeah, why do I do it at all? Because every drink, every drop of alcohol that enters my body, I know is no good for me. So Mm -hmm. if I really wanted to go down the route of I'm going all super healthy, I could give it up altogether and it wouldn't be hard for me to do that at all. Um, But every time I'm thinking, oh yeah, but this thing is coming up and people are going to ask me why I'm not drinking and and I can't be bothered with that. So how many other... How many other people out there are stopping themselves just because of that reason? Yeah, and and that reason alone is the reason people drink when they don't want to. So I work with clients. One of the th- first things that we talk through is why do you not want? Why do you want to address your drinking? So that's your whys, okay? So, and then we'll say, okay, so mm. now you know your whys. Who gets to know what? Because not everybody gets to know your full story. You know what I tell my best friend is different from what I tell some stranger I meet at a party about why I don't drink. Mm. Quite often, when I meet a stranger, mm. I'll say, oh, it doesn't serve me anymore. That just doesn't serve me. It doesn't interest me. Um, what I'll mm. tell my best friend is she knows the truth why I don't drink. You know, there's many, many um, sides to, to the reasons mm-hmm. um, to, to why I don't drink. Some yeah. of my clients will go out and they won't work on, you know, they'll they'll say, okay, I'm not going to drink. I always try and advise my clients to have four or five weeks at least off the drink and I support them on that. 
that some of them become undone because some random person pushes at them and pushes at them and pushes at them. But why are you not drinking? Why are you mm. not drinking? Just have one. Mm. So if you're listening to this, if Andy's listening to this and you think, oh my goodness, maybe I've done that to someone because I did when I was drinking. Why are you not drinking? Because mm. I couldn't, yeah. I, I didn't yeah, like yeah. being around non-drinkers. I thought, what does, what's going on here? If you're somebody who's absolutely <laughs> comfortable with their drinking, somebody who doesn't need to make changes, maybe be aware if somebody tells you they're not drinking just to say, oh, no problem. That's great. Can I get you an alcohol-free option? Can I get you, you know, what, what would you like to have instead? We need to normalise it. We absolutely need to normalise it yeah. because people don't drink for so many reasons. They may be an alcoholic. They may be alcohol intolerant. They may be doing IVF. They may, for so many reasons, it's got absolutely F all to do with anybody apart from them. So if we can mm. get into the practice of when somebody says to us, oh, I'm not drinking, we just say, okay. And it's as normal as somebody not smoking. It's as normal as somebody not taking dairy products because they're allergic to them. There's no compulse. It's not compulsory to drink. So let's not make people feel uncomfortable because they are not yeah. drinking. So for yourself, mm-hmm. you know, to say, ah, it just doesn't serve me anymore. I just, I was actually questioning why I was doing it. And I, I'm not sure why I do drink. I mean, something as simple as that. Um, but unfortunately, you're always going to get somebody that's going to niggle at you and push at you and push at you. And that's pretty mm-hmm. unfair, isn't it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it reminds um i just thought of something that I, I saw a few weeks ago i'm a huge fan of the huberman lab podcast of andrew huberman and he had somebody on uh maybe a couple months back on this podcast and they were talking about how calls so i'm still to catch up with that podcast episode actually <laughs> but he had put something on his instagram it was like a quote and it was saying something like you know alcohol is the only drugs when when you don't do it there's something wrong with That's you right. yeah and it's so true because you know like people would say oh it's bad to be smoking it's bad to take this and that and that and then there's something wrong with you if you smoke or if you take drugs but there's something wrong with you if you don't drink so mm. and, and and i've heard that so many times and i would say you know no there's something wrong with me when i do drink i'm absolutely perfectly normal when i don't <laughs> when I do that's when the problems start so yeah Yeah. absolutely it's the only thing that's really questioned you know why aren't you doing it you know just have one um a Mm -hmm. client of mine um a while back I'm sure she won't mind me sharing the story at all um she was going to um a charity event um for for a cancer charity and she got in touch with the the venue and said can we make sure that we've definitely got um, alcohol free options and and they said you know no we don't have them and and it's like my goodness why can't we just normalize it but you know especially a cancer charity event you know alcohol can contribute to certain Mm. cancers it's still not seen as being okay um a quick i'm going to throw in a quick tip here for anybody who's thinking about going alcohol free or who is alcohol free if you've got an event a night out and i still do this on occasion and you're going to a new venue that you've never been to before call ahead and ask what their alcohol free options are because quite often that mm. can be it can be quite daunting having to ask and being told there's none or being told there's something that you've never heard of before and you can go and search it out if you call them up beforehand decide if that's what you want to drink or you can just order you know a soda oh, water yeah. or, or sparkling water but such be, a great tip yeah, yeah. be prepared be, and quite often mm. 
Um, if I've gone to a restaurant with my, my friends, some of my friends don't drink, a lot of my friends still drink, um, I phone ahead and ask if I can take a bottle of no seco or a bottle of alcohol-free something because I still want to have a grown-up drink. I still want to see cheers with everybody else. I still want to be part yeah. of that. Um, and quite often when you explain that you don't drink and you'd like to bring your own wine or own fizz, the restaurants are grand. They're, they're absolutely fine. So you don't have mm. to be left out. And the more people like me that are doing that, the easier it becomes for other people who still want to socialise, but socialise alcohol-free. Yeah, love this. Great ideas, great tips there, Kirsty. Love it. <laughs> okay, cool. So um, where can people find out more about you? Where can they find you online? And also, I believe you have something you, you would like to share. Yes, so... <laughs> I'm really, really not very good with social media. The only one that I'm there on is <laughs> is Instagram. I'm not good at anything else. I don't I don't have a Facebook anymore. So I'm on Instagram and it's Sky S K Y Rose R O S E Coaching. And um, Sky is my daughter and Rose is my niece. So that's why my business is called there. My mm-hmm. two my big whys, the, the the reasons that I, I got mm-hmm. sober all those years ago. Um and mm-hmm. I would love to see you there. And Sober Buzz Scotland, which is my online sober community, but I do post more on my business page, but Skyro's coaching page, and there's so much free content there about going alcohol free mm. or going mindfully drinking. And yeah. you'll see that. You'll see that in my highlights. Yeah, your account I, is great. I <laughs> have um a 30-day workbook that people can work through, and it is not focused on not drinking. It is focused on what you can do when you don't drink. It's it's a very uplifting 30 days challenge and um that's 15 quid and you can buy that in my in my link in my bio or for 50 quid you can buy that and have a one-to-one session with me and that's all in my bio I talk about that online quite a lot and the feedback I get from that is incredible because sometimes we just need a reset I say we not me I don't drink at all but some people say oh I would love to go a month without drinking and the feedback I'm getting back people are saying that this is the longest I've gone in 10 years without a drink this is because they love the work so much Mm. and it's all journaling work it's all self-inquiry it's all looking at the highest version of yourself it's all what can you do with your time when you're not drinking there's loads of resources about alcohol-free equitlet which is um books about going alcohol-free there's lots of stuff about that in my workbook uh, I loved making it actually so I just want to give people the opportunity to have a have a break from it to see what they can actually achieve or to see how they feel and um particularly when I, like I said at the very beginning um people who are going through the perimenopause or or are or, or, or in the menopause um, alcohol really really messes messes up with, with that time in your life so if you need to have a break to see actually what's going on what are my thoughts all about at the moment what are what can I do in my time this exciting time in my life the workbook's great for that and some of my, my ex-clients who are, who are now sober or who have went a period of sobriety they're using it as well just to do a reset to remind themselves why they do mm. it and also um I'm a transformational life coach. It's, it's about transforming the life that you've got to the one that you want. So it's it's a real positive feel good. It's not it's not focusing on the lack of anything. It's actually really focused mm. on bringing more into your life. And um, yeah. my DMs are always open, as they say, and it's very confidential. I totally mm-hmm. understand that it's a very um, it's a very tricky subject, you know. And uh, very quickly, I'll just say one thing before I go. When I was training to be a transformational life coach, I worked in Sockton Prison, which is a prison in Edinburgh, and I supported offenders in recovery. And um, every single one I spoke to either had an alcoholic parent or an alcoholic grandparent. 
And in this society in Scotland, we have almost every family will have been affected by alcoholism in some way from um, maybe just a parent. I don't mean just, but a parent to, you know, abuse, to physical abuse, sexual abuse, mental abuse. And there's shame there. And I understand that. And if MD reaches out because they need support because a family member's an alcoholic or because they are still suffering from the hands of an alcoholic, I can put you in touch with wonderful charities. I still do volunteer work for a charity myself. You can reach out. And if I'm not the person for you, I can make sure that you're 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 sent to the people that can help you and can support you. Because I know we've had a laugh on this call, but Scotland has a real issue with historical um alcohol issues and um and please know that if you did reach out i'd be able to 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 make sure that you got the support that you needed um and scotland is changing there are so many people now that are that are deciding that maybe Mm. excess drinking is not for them and they they want their children to see something different and that's beautiful for me to see absolutely beautiful because um i never ever thought i could be sober and now i'm I'm really leading this this the, at the forefront of this, making sure that Scotland or the people of Scotland and beyond know that we don't have to drink every weekend. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you very much for sharing that, Kirsty. Thank you. So thank you for coming on. This was a, a great discussion. I loved it. So did I. <laughs> it's been so good. And I hope we can do part two about the perimenopause and the menopause because I am fascinated by it. Like I am loving going into this part of my life. So I would love to do that. Mm. And alcohol play can be a really um, um, derogatory part in that part of life. So let's, let's, let's do that at some point. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Let's pencil that one in for sure. And I'm sure the listeners will just be delighted to hear this and can't wait either. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much. Thanks, Kirsty.